us pray. God of abundance, of forgiveness and love, open our minds and our hearts to experience the many ways in which you manifest yourself to all of us. Amen. Happy Feast of the Transfiguration. Today in the church, we celebrate Jesus' change of appearance in front of three disciples, Peter, John, and James. Our gospel tells us that Jesus' face changed. His clothes became dazzling white. So we pause during this season of green, as we know it in the liturgical calendar or ordinary time, to celebrate this feast day in the church. So it is why our vestments and our altar are not green today. We are wearing a different color. You can say that it's also been transformed a bit. The Transfiguration is so important that it occurs every, every year at the end of Epiphany season from Matthew, then Mark, and now from Luke. Across from them, there's this common story. The wording varies a bit, but it's still a shared story amongst all these Gospels. And overall, the lessons today point us to the Beloved. And our lessons take place, all of them, up in a mountain, and they narrate someone having an encounter with God. According to theologian Donald J. Luther, we have in Luke 9, as in Mark 9 and Matthew 17, a Christophany, a Theophany, an Epiphany, and a revelation of the divine. In our Old Testament lesson, Moses is coming down from the mountain after the Israelites had violated the covenant. This evidence of being forgiven by God, but they are, the Israelites are not sure about this yet. They don't know that. And remember that these lessons, when we separate them and we don't have any background, it's always important for us to read a few verses before and a few verses after to kind of get the whole story. The Israelites are afraid of what they see happening to Moses. God reestablishing the covenant. Scripture exposes us to a different dimension of God, moments that invite us into relationships. In this particular moment, the transfiguration is so important that Peter writes about it in his second letter. Peter, in his farewell speech, is challenging the people to a new way of living, a way that loves like Jesus. And here today, in, our, in the part that we are reading, he is also addressing those who may be questioning or are skeptical, both at the time that this letter was written, and obviously to all of us today. Here he is recalling what he, along with the other disciples, saw during this particular moment. He says it is so important that he will make every effort so that after his departure, and we know that in this context, the meaning of de departure is meaning his death. He knows that he's going to die. And there's this, going to be this physical separation in the community. That he will make sure that after his departure, we may still remember these things. We were eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty. Now we know who Peter is. Faithful, loves Jesus. We know the story. Denies him three times later. So we know that Peter is probably a little bit of a mess under pressure. I think I can relate a bit. 
probably doesn't always say the right things. I can relate sometimes. But he knew that he couldn't die without describing the transfiguration, this physical change of Jesus so that others would see and be witnesses to what he was a witness to. You know, sometimes we say there is no right way, but there are many wrong ways of doing something. And I think this happened to poor Peter. They are guided in our gospel by Jesus up a mountaintop to pray. A very important part of their everyday lives, prayer. And just a few verses before, in the 8th chapter of Luke, Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering. In other words, Jesus is already, was already preparing them and letting them know that he was not going to be with them for much longer. And so here, the, the disciples overhear Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah about his departure. Which again, here we understand that departure is meaning there's this, his death is coming. And it is referring to what is to come and what Jesus has already told the disciples. Peter is probably thinking about this and therefore offers to make three dwellings, which in Greek is synonymous to a tabernacle or a place to worship. Peter seems to think that instead of trying to understand what is happening, that they should remain here high up in the mountain forever, trying to keep Jesus safe. Makes sense to me. He has it all here in this very moment on the mountain. We only know that they were terrified. But I can imagine that there are many other things going through their minds, right? Like if when you're, when you're terrified, you're also feeling other things. You're anxious, or at least I, I, I start to feel anger, worry of what's to come. Why leave when we can stay here and pray? At the beginning of the month, uh, of last month in July, you all may remember, I was in Maryland serving as a chaplain for the Episcopal Youth Event. It's an event that happens every three years, and it is for high school students. So I encourage you all to, to Google it or look it up and, or ask any questions about it. Uh, I'd love to share more about you at another time, about it with you at another time. It was, I got to worship with over 600 youth from across the Episcopal Church. It was a transformative moment for all those present, from the youngest to the oldest, because we were all gathered together. Of course, at a youth event, we also need adults. So we were all just being in the same space together. Turned a college gymnasium into our sacred space for a week. Don was also there, and we came back feeling renewed, refreshed, thinking this very week has been perfect. How do we stay here? It's so tempting to stay where it is safe. Grappling with these feelings of wanting to say, stay in this beautiful space and this beautiful worship and, and the beautiful liturgies that we participated in. How do we translate that into our everyday routines? staying in the holy because everything else around us seems broken. 
What would have happened if Jesus had said, sure, Peter, make those three dwellings. Let's hang out over here. Now, our experience will not be like Peter listening to God directly speak. But I think that we can find a message for all of us here today in these sacred moments, wanting to protect our, our prayers or our worship or our liturgy. Because the gospel reminds us that we are not called to isolate ourselves to this one particular moment. But rather, these moments of joy or these examples of, of, of Jesus amongst us serve as reminders when we are afraid or terrified of what is to come. Peter could not keep Jesus on the mountain. Peter had to sit with being uncomfortable well, along with the disciples. Peter was able to experience loss, but also deep, deep, everlasting love. So I want to share, I was very moved by uh, the choice of, of all the youth in, during this, this event, and they, they um, asked for this song, and so I want to share it with you and end it as a prayer, and it's called Plowshare Prayer by Spencer LaFoy. Dear blessed creator, dear mother, dear savior, dear father, dear brother, dear holy other, dear sibling, dear baby, dear patiently waiting, dear sad and confused, dear stuck and abused, dear end of your rope, Dear worn out and broke, dear go it alone, dear running from home, dear righteously angry, forsaken by family, dear jaded and quiet, dear tough and defiant, I pray that I'm heard and I pray that this works. I pray if a prayer has been used as a sword against you and your heart, against you and your word, I pray that this prayer is a plowshare of sorts, that it might break you open and it might help you grow. I pray that your body gets all that it needs. And if you don't want healing, I just pray for peace. I pray that your burden gets lighter each day. I pray the mean voice in your head goes away. I pray that you honor the grief as it comes. I pray you can feel the life in your lungs. I pray that if you go all day being brave, that you can go home and go to bed feeling safe. I pray you're forgiven. I pray you forgive. I pray you set boundaries and openly live. I pray that you feel you are worth never leaving. I pray that you know I will always believe you. I pray that you're heard, and I pray that this works. Amen. On behalf of the last and the least, on behalf of the anxious, depressed, and unseen, amen for the workers, the hungry, the houseless, amen for the lonely and recently spouseless. Amen for the queers and their closeted peers. 
Amen for the bullied who hold in their tears. Amen for the mothers of little black sons. Amen for the kids who grow up scared of guns. Amen for the addicts, the ashamed and hungover. Amen for the callous, the wizened, the sober. Amen for the ones who want life to be over. Amen for the leaders who lose their compo composure. Amen for the parents who just lost their baby. Amen for the chronically ill and disabled. Amen for the children down at the border. Amen for the victims of our law and order. I pray that you're heard and I pray that this works. I pray if a prayer has been used as a sword against you and your heart, against you and your word, I pray that this prayer is a plowshare of sorts. <laughs>